Welcome back to another episode of Ice Time with your host, John Horton. And Matt Piscazzi. I just want to start off by saying thank you, everybody, to listen to our last episode. We got great support, and I uh, hope you keep coming back. I would like to mention, uh, don't forget to go check out our Twitter at Ice Time Podcast, which is at Ice Time 9899. And, of course, we have an email as well if you want to uh, you know, reach out to us, and we could do like a mailbag, mailbag episode. That's uh, Icetime9899 at gmail.com. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Um, you know, we got the draft, we got free agency, you know, the Rangers, because we are big Ranger fans, <laughs> and maybe we could talk about, um, you know, what they're doing and also the Hall of Fame. Yeah, like you said, we got a lot to talk about. I guess we'll just get going with the draft. Uh, it's coming up on Wednesday and Thursday. I think the NHL awards are actually tonight, so maybe we'll mention a little bit of that as well. But just starting off with the draft, uh, we'll go through just some of the top prospects. I mean, the NHL draft is a little weird. Um, You know, I feel like once you get outside the top prospects, it's kind of hard. I mean, unless you're super into hockey and and scouting and really knowledgeable about all sorts of different leagues, it's really hard to tell who's going to be a good player, who's going to be a great player, who's going to be a bad player. I don't know. That's just my personal opinion on it. Um, But, you know, with the top 10 picks in the draft, we have from one to 10, uh, we have the Chicago Blackhawks, the Anaheim Ducks, the Columbus Blue Jackets, the San Jose Sharks, the Montreal Canadiens, the Arizona Coyotes, Philadelphia Flyers, uh, Washington Capitals, Detroit Red Wings, oh, Red Wings, Detroit <laughs> Red Wings, and the uh, St. Louis Blues. So I'll uh, kick it back over to you, John. I know you're really excited for that first pick. I think a lot of us are. Um, I think we all know who it's going to be, but I'll let you say it over there. Yeah, I mean, it's been talked about for probably the last year and a half. You know, we have Connor Bedard, who I would like to say has the almost same personality as Connor McDavid. You know, I, we always talk about, um, you know, marketing Connor McDavid more here and there, but, you know, it's kind of hard when they kind of just, they're just like, yeah, that's good. You know, a lot of awesome hockey today. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of, yeah. it's kind of tough. But, you know, you'd rather see him perform on the ice than off the ice, of course. Um, but, you know, we're not here to, you know, see them in a soap opera here to see them score goals. Um, you know, Connor Bedard playing for the Regina Pats in the WHL. Um, you know, uh, he had 271 points in 134 games, a 2.022 points per game, which is 10th highest in league history and the highest since the 1980s. Um, incredible numbers. Incredible. Key points that a lot of scouts have looked at is his shot and the way he honed it and the accuracy and also the speed. His skating is good, but it's definitely not the, you know, number one talked thing about him. Hmm. Um, and one other concern, but, you know, you have Patrick Kane. He, he, you know, he's, he's worked out just fine. Is he stands at, you know, 5'10", 185 pounds. So definitely there's concern he could get push, pushed off the puck easily, checked into the boards hard. You know, you, you never know. But um, I think, like we were talking about, uh, you know, earlier, uh, you know, when it comes to skill, you don't really need to be that, you know, 6'3", 250-pound skater. Oh, yeah. Especially in the modern day NHL, um, you see a lot of these kind of like five, you could, you could argue like 5'10 to like 6'1, eh, mostly like 5'10, 5'11. But you see like these smaller guys, they're quick, um, but they, what they lack in size, they make up for with like their, their puck handling, 
um, especially in, in Bedard's case and a lot of players' case, high hockey IQ, um, you know, patient on the puck. They're always looking to make a play. Um, and, you know, when you pair a guy like that, like a young guy who has those skills with, um, you know, veteran proven talent that know how to score in the NHL, that really helps them and that can help them really develop. And um, we actually saw the Blackhawks do that today with the Taylor Hall trade. They got Taylor Hall and was it Nick Foligno uh, yeah, from the Bruins for, uh, was it Adam Regula and Ian Mitchell? Um, so good. I think that's a good, good idea for the Blackhawks there. They're trying to get some, uh, you know, veteran top end scoring talent there for Bedard. Um, but yeah, you know, like you said, he is small, but he is mighty. Um, <laughs> I, I read somewhere that he, like, from a young age, he was just so, like, into the game, just so, like, addicted to hockey that, like, he would pass up on, like, hanging out with friends and, like, vacations and, like, other, like, other types of stuff to just kind of, like, go in his backyard and, like, shoot around. And, you know, I think that's really kind of, you look at that, like, the work ethic and you couple that with all of his, like, skills and just kind of what we're what we're seeing from him and kind of how he looks and what we're projecting for him and and it kind of just creates this picture of just someone who we're really really looking forward to seeing in the nhl someone that looks like they really have the potential to be a generational talent um sounds kind of funny to say about somebody that's like you know 18 years old (laughs) but again um you know we've seen that happen before so just really excited for that one um yeah i mean i guess i'll kick it back over to you we got pick two the anaheim ducks yeah Adam Fantel, uh, Fantelli, yeah, Adam Fantelli. Um, he's also a center uh, from uh, Michigan in the NCAA. Um, Anaheim Ducks most likely going to pick him. He is he's a little bigger at six foot two, hundred ninety five pounds, and he led all players with sixty five points with a one point eight zero point per game um, average. Um, you know, I, I keep hearing a lot of people say like, oh, it's you know more of a consolation prize, but hey, you, you never know. Like you know, everybody develops differently you know you have some people who are praised as generational talents and then they come in and they're just they just never live up to that um you got deep draft picks like uh kucherov and uh jacob robertson you know they're they're prime examples of that they were i think they were both second round picks and look look how they are now so you know it's not always your draft position and i think another thing that's important before we you know go deeper in the draft is like a lot i think a lot of people forget that you know just because you're drafting the first round maybe even the first overall pick that doesn't guarantee you're getting first line, second line minutes. Yeah. I mean, we saw it with Lafreniere. Yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, usually it's, you have the stars there, you know, and they have the contracts and they're playing at a higher level than you are and you have to develop a little bit. Um, I personally think, I don't know if it's a hot take. I don't know if you've heard um, other ideas about this, but I feel like 18 for draft eligibility is just too young. I think they should raise it to 20 or 21. Like those few extra years of just bulking, getting bigger, honing some more skills, I think is very important because I feel like we're just throwing these young guys to the wolves a little too soon. You know, Mm. at least in modern day NHL, besides generational talents like Austin Matthews and and Connor McDavid, it takes maybe about to the end of their, you know, ECL to like really become who they were expected to be because it's just oh yeah it's just kind of unfair like you're 18 you're going up against 25 35 year olds who are playing against the best players in the world you know checking you hard into the boards you're going up against goaltenders who are elite you know you're not going up against goaltenders who are trying to become elite they are elite even some of the the goaltenders statistically who are the worst in the league are still better than most in the world because they're on an NHL better than most of what they've ever seen probably playing I think that's a really weird thing about the NHL draft if you compare it to like the NFL draft, for example. You can get anybody f- that, you know, from like we're talking about like an 18 year old kid, someone who's playing 
Um, you know, like we have a couple of the top prospects in this draft actually that are playing for, you know, like the United States developmental team. Um, and they're like 18 year old kids. Yep. But then you can get somebody coming from Russia or someone coming from Sweden or Germany um, who might be a couple years older and they're playing against professional talent. You know, it's not, you can make the argument it's not the level of the NHL. Of course, the NHL is, you know, like kind of that penultimate. Um, you know, hockey league in the world, of course. Um, but those are talented players. They're they're not they're not you know no slouches. Um, and so some of those prospects you look at, and it's it's kind of weird with the juxtaposition of a prospect like that, and then you're comparing it to like you know like we're saying like an 18 year old kid. Um, it is just a little weird. I, I always thought that that was uh, just a little bit different about the NHL draft. But yeah, I mean, I kind of hear you on um, that whole age thing. But I think what happens, you know, if they get, I mean, you see it happen a lot. More, more typically in the NHL is they'll get that player like that 18 or 19 year old player draft them you know get them in their system uh they have the rights to that player and then they'll they'll let them finish out you know a year or two in in a you know a lesser league build up those skills build up that talent um you know I think it's you see that more often with the draft picks just because like you know we're talking about the top talent in this draft but outside of the top talent in this draft um most of the people that you know most of the players that are drafted are going to see couple years in the minor leagues and then even at that you know say they're looking like they might break into the nhl then they get maybe a season in the a in the ahl with like a two-way contract kind of see if that works out see if you know they get them up for a couple games here or there so um i think that's a little bit unique when you look at the nhl and kind of like the player development um but yeah no i mean i I do hear you on the, the age thing and i think that's probably why a lot of teams go that route as opposed to drafting an eight-year-old and putting them right in the lineup like yeah. if you're you know in the nfl or something like that but of course that's you know different ages different games but yeah i, I hear you on that one I, I always found that kind of a little bit different about the nhl draft but uh you know with this draft class in particular it's a pretty deep draft class a lot of good center talent at the top um and you know while i do think fantilli is a good look at that two pick for anaheim um you could really go, you know, from that Anaheim pick at two, then Columbus Blue Jackets at three, San Jose Sharks at four, and the Montreal Canadiens at five. There could be any mix of Adam Fantilli, Leo Carlson, Will Smith, and Ryan Leonard. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you could even throw, uh, you know, the Russian Matt, Matt Vemichkov in the mix. Um, a little bit more of a risky pick, a little bit more of a, you know, you're not going to see him touch the ice for a few years. So it's really interesting. Um, and then I guess, you know, kind of leading on that topic maybe going to the third pick with the Columbus Blue Jackets and uh you know what you're thinking over there but like I said it's just kind of a really could go a lot of different ways but no I agree um especially with the center depth in the top five is 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 crazy um I know Leo Carlson is projected to be the third uh Mm -hmm. you know for the Columbus Blue Jackets he's from uh, playing Sweden uh he stands at six foot two 195 pounds 25 points in 42 games you know um, I've heard some good things about him. That's you know just just point wise, that's not really blowing the doors off. But I heard he's a good two way player, which I think a lot of teams you know are looking for. Get a little Selkie Trophy uh, finalist, maybe perhaps. And he has the size too. Yeah, the size is the size. big. His thing is though, he because of that size, he lacks the separation speed. So that's one of those things where yeah. like you kind of have to get the skating coach involved. Um, but I definitely hear on that one. He's he's probably a good look at three. Yeah, uh, that's why I I I feel like I think maybe. I feel like Adam Fantelli and Conor Bedard are, are locked in at one and two, but I feel like three, four, and five is like a huge up for grabs. I think maybe Will Smith could go over Leo just because the more, I mean, I know he's played in the, the U.S. Um, you know, uh, development, which isn't like anything, mm. you know, extraordinary. Um, but, and I know he stands at six foot, but he's only 180 pounds. Um, but he had, he had a really 
stellar finals performance, uh, and he did match uh, Jack Hughes' record, which right now, you know, a year or two ago, comparing him to Jack Hughes, people would be like, oh, well, he hasn't really done done much yet, but now he had that breakout season. Oh, so, yeah. um, He does require another season at Boston College, though. He's considered worth the wait, and he's also considered a two-way player. Um, and you got, like, highlights after highlights with Will Smith. I think maybe what would hurt his three, four, or five spot is the fact that he does need one more year yeah. in development. Oh, yeah. um, whereas maybe Leo Carlson's more ready to go, and especially mm-hmm. in Columbus where they're making trades and they're trying to, like, at least for the last 15 years, trying to pull themselves out of the depths. Yeah. You know, they're trying I mean, and to... And it's, uh, you know, yeah. they're not super far off. So, I yeah, on that one, I think that might make a little more sense for them. Um, and because, you know, again, with the Will Smith, um, he, you know, he's great offensive skill set. Um, he's going to have another year at BC to kind of build on that. Um, I think another thing that they should really kind of maybe focus on with him is getting him to, like, just make the play when it's available. Um, you know, reading up on him, it seems like sometimes he tries to make, like, the the, the Hail Mary player, like, the big, fun, fancy play as opposed to just, you know, get get it out of the zone, you know, get it down the ice, get an easy shot, stuff like that. So, you know, he's a young kid. That's, that's something that's pretty... Um, he, you know, you you see that with a lot of young kids, a lot of really good talent. They want to make the big play. They want to make the hero play. So that's not unusual. Um, but yeah, I I kind of I kind of have to agree with you on that one. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes, um, you know, in front. But you know, the Blue Jackets again might want to take a player that's more ready. And then if you want to throw, you know, a Ryan Leonard into the mix, that gets a little bit more mixy there as well, because he's super versatile. Uh, he's played left wing, center, and right wing. Um, he has a lot of really good two-way ability. Um, he's super strong on his stick. He's great in the D zone. Um, he kind of knows how to work his body. So that's, again, where this, this draft is a little interesting once you get past one and two, or even just one, um, although I do have to agree with you, I think Fantilli will go too. Um, it is kind of a mixed bag. You really don't know, kind of, is it going to go Carlson Smith-Leonard? Is someone going to break the mold? Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess moving on there... We're at what are we at five now? The Canadians? Oh uh, yeah, five. Well, I, I mean, I kind of just touched well, on Ryan of, Leonard, yeah. Because yeah. honestly, again, three to five is kind of a mixed bag. Once you get outside of five, though, it gets a little interesting because it's like, it, first of all, is Mitchkov going to go earlier than that? But then it gets to it gets outside of five, and it's like, well, who wants to who wants to take that risk? Who wants to yeah. wait that long to get him in the league? You know? Yeah. Well, because the stuff I've heard about Mitchkov, um, you know, he is also. Um, with Bedard on the shorter side, five foot ten, which is funny to say five foot ten short, but it's not. It's just in terms of athlete. But yeah, oh yeah, he's only one hundred seventy two pounds, so that's also a concern. But you know, he's young; he can bulk up. Um, and he does have that contract that doesn't run out till two thousand twenty five, twenty six. Um, but some of them are labeling him as the best Russian player since uh, Vasilevsky right now. You know, mm-hmm. in terms, and, and I think, you know, he's got twenty points, twenty seven games. Uh, you know, so almost point per game, not bad. But there's just a lot of doubt around him because, mm. you know, the, the Russian stigma and then also just you can't have him for two years. And that's a yeah. pick you could have used on someone who's ready now. Oh, yeah. So I guess it depends. Um, who has uh, who the fifth? It's the Canadians, right? The fifth is the Canadians, and then sixth is the Coyotes, uh, seven is the Flyers. So, I mean, if you're the Canadians, uh, I feel, I mean, they need to get healthy. That's the main concern with the Canadians. But I feel like maybe... You could potentially take the risk of not having a player for the next year or two because you're in that rebuild. Hmm. Um, same thing with Arizona because I mean they don't even have a city to play in. <laughs> yeah, so, that's true. So I think you know I think when it comes to him, I think either one might take him, but um, or uh, or Leonard. 
I mean, we may even be surprised and see him go earlier to a team like uh, maybe even like the Ducks if the Ducks are not sold on Fantilli. Again, I really think they should just go Fantilli. But that might be a surprise we see early in the draft um, with just the team maybe saying, okay, we're going to take a step back and um, say to their fan base, like, listen, we're not, you know, we don't need to win right now. In a few years, maybe when we're ready to win, that's when we're getting him in the roster. So you never know, but um, I kind of think yeah, I'm more inclined to think that he'll go again, like five or six. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like the Cody, Coyotes is probably the better pick, um, you know, the bet to take him just because, like you said, they're rebuilding. They're not a playoff team at this point. They don't even have where are they playing. I mean, they're playing exactly. in a college arena. This, so yeah, I think that's kind of the, the pick that works out there. Um, but that will be interesting to see how it plays out because he has tremendous potential. It's just a high. It's like a high risk, high reward situation. It is. Um, but it's also you know we've seen players come over from the KHL. And they're, you know, have all this talent. They've been playing with professional athletes in a Russian hockey league, which typically has a lot of talent, has, has, you know, you have NHLers that go over there, play, you have players that go, you know, that are playing over there, come play in the NHL. So they have a lot of talent, but um, it doesn't always work out when they get to the NHL. So that'll be interesting to see how that one shakes out. Um, and then I think the further you get into this draft class, it just gets a little... Again, you really don't know, are you getting, you know, top talent or are you getting someone that is not really going to shake out? But I do think that, um, you know, the, at least the top D-man uh, for me in this draft, I think it's David Reinbacher. I think that's how you say it. Um, I, I think the Flyers will probably go for that at seven. Um, just he looks like the most NHL ready defenseman at this point. Uh, right-handed defenseman, 6'2", weighing about 187. Um, he's not really going to give you a lot of offensive potential, but he is really strong on D. Good positioning. Um, he's kind of like the most, again, the most NHL ready D man, at least in my opinion, in this draft. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him go to seven in a team like the Flyers. Um, but yeah, I guess then your take on that, and then maybe uh, move on to eight. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mostly focused on the top five, so I wouldn't know as much as you in that regard. But I think, yeah, you know, this this draft is definitely a deep one, but I also feel like it's an undersized class. Um, I don't, I honestly don't think it's anything like elite besides Connor Bedard. It feels like Connor Bedard is like the number one big prize and everybody else's, you know, potential, um, to be that, you know, that, that, you know, that, that great line mate teammate. I don't feel like it's any superstars except maybe Adam Fantelli or maybe Will Smith. Possibly, possibly. I'm not, I'm not too sure. Um, it'll be interesting though. Um, but. What else? Uh, what else do you have for the for the rest? So at eight, we got the caps. Um, and again, I mean, I kind of just look at like the top ten prospects. So once you get outside of five, again, it's kind of you really don't know. Um, but at eight, you could be looking at a uh, I don't even know how to say this guy's name. Dola Dola Barb Dvorsky Dvorsky. I, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I butchered that name for sure. Uh, centerman standing six one, weighing about two hundred pounds. So he's a little bit. On the bigger side, um, he's got a great shot. He has some really good two-way potential. Um, really good as a uh, a power play uh, playmaker was kind of the scouting report. Someone had um, had been comparing him to oh my god, I'm totally blanking on the guy's name in Vancouver. Um, young guy, uh, it's like number forty in Vancouver. Um, uh, my god, I'm totally blanking on his name <laughs> right now. He's I can literally picture him. The only one I know is uh, the only one I know is Hughes and Peterson. And yes, Peterson. Peterson. Oh, Peterson. I, Jesus, not Peterson. I, how do I forget his name? Oh my goodness. Elias, uh, um, but yeah, I saw a lot of comparisons to a Peterson type player on the power play in specific, um, in particular, just making plays. Uh, one of those guys that kind of needs improvement in the skating area, but that's something that you can coach. It's something that you can work on. So uh, he's not really bad, too bad of a look at eight. Uh, 
you know, nine and ten, you might see a combo of uh, Nate Danielson and Zach Benson. Uh, Nate Danielson is another centerman. Again, ton of centers in this draft. Uh, standing six one, about one hundred eighty four pounds. Uh, he's a little bit on the faster side, so you're not as worried about his skating ability. Um, but you know, he's a fast puck handling center. Um, he also he's a little more patient with the puck, so you're not going to get maybe tremendous scoring upside in that regard. Um, but he does like to make a play. That's kind of his. That's kind of his report. You know, he's a playmaker. So. Um, you kind of need talent around him. Um, he was playing in a, a lesser league. I, I can't remember. I probably should have just written it down. But, uh, you know, the team he was playing on, he didn't really have a lot of top-end talent around him. So he really should have had better numbers because um, he's making kind of tremendous plays here and there, and then it's just kind of falling off the guy's stick or it's just, you know, m- missing the net, something like that, right, because there's just not that talent around him to make those plays. So you get him in the NHL, give him a couple years to develop. Um, you know, he might turn out to be a really good playmaking center. Um, and then the last uh, prospect I was looking at here in the top ten was Zach Benson, a little more versatile, uh, a little more, a little one of these uh, smaller guys again, uh, listed as a center but can also play left wing. Uh, he's 5'10", 160 about, so a little undersized. But in the modern NHL, again, we have so many of these undersized guys that are coming in here and are doing a great job. Um, so wouldn't be surprised, um, you know, if he works out. He has a great motor, great instinct. Um, you know, just kind of have to get him to just. Develop his skills overall. He's one of those guys that, um, you know, he hits your roster in a couple years. He may give you some really good minutes. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's all I had for some of these draft prospects. Like you had said earlier, Bedard's really the prize on this one. I think once you get outside of Bedard, there's some really good potential. But um, it's just about whether or not that potential will be realized. And, you know, we'll have to wait, you know, a year, two years, three years to see if, you know, when these guys start hitting the league, when they start hitting the NHL, getting in the NHL, um, you know, are they really going to do a job? But be exciting to see. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll be watching the draft. I know you'll be watching. We're excited. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rangers aren't until 23. God, who even knows who they're going to pick? Uh, some talk was saying they should take a goalie. We'll see. I, I you Yeah, know, I, heard the, I heard the goalie talk. Which, I wouldn't be surprised. If you uh, get a goalie in the system, it's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. But I, I was thinking about that, too. Like, if you if you get a goaltender, I mean, Igor's in his he's 26, 27. He's, he's in his prime. He's probably got another easy five to seven years of just, like, hopeful dominance. You know, if you draft a goaltender now at 18, maybe close to 20, you got to find a guy who's cool with being a backup goalie for the next, like, five to seven years. And they might be like, well, you know, I want to you know, go out and be my own goaltender. I feel like I'm, I'm good enough, you know. So that's, that's kind of tough now. I, I think maybe another, unless there's, like, a, a goalie that just, like, is screaming to be drafted, which I don't think there is in this draft. I think maybe another, like, two to three-year wait, <clears throat> excuse me, to, um, you know, really go after the goaltender. Um, you know, for this draft, Connor Bedard obviously is like, you know, apparently the next Connor McDavid, and I do love his work ethic. Um, I love what I've seen. His point totals are nuts. But you know, a lot of people, you know, you got to remember, you know, he's playing against people who are yes, the same age as him, maybe a little older, but they're not in the NHL. The NHL, just like any other major sports league, is the best of the best. This is where players from across the globe come to play. And it's like every single position, every every left wing, right wing, center is the best in that position. Every defenseman is the best. Every goaltender is the best. You know, besides, you know, like even 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 the worst player you can think of in the NHL is probably on a higher level than the best player in in a minor league somewhere, yeah. because it's it's the National Hockey League, and it's same thing with the NBA, NFL, you know, MLB. It's the same thing. That's that's what makes it so interesting. So I think. Uh, it's, you know, it's unfortunate for first overall picks to get so much 
um, pressure put on them. Because, like, let's say, um, let's say Connor Bedard plays most of his rookie season in the NHL, not the AHL. Let's say he doesn't win the Calder. Do you think people are going to say, oh, you, you know, that, that's ridiculous. He should have won it. You know, if, if somebody else wins the Calder over him, what does that say about his career? Obviously, not the end all be all. I mean, Connor McDavid didn't win his mostly because of injury. But, mm, yeah. you know, I, I, think, I think if he doesn't win the Calder in his rookie year, granted that he plays most of it and is eligible mm. to be awarded it, um, you're going to see some pretty negative headlines or, or doubtful headlines. And especially also, you got to remember, he's playing on a, an atrocious team. You know, the, the, mm. the, the Blackhawks tanked so they could get him. Um, you know, obviously players don't tank. It's the organization tanks. They trade all their assets away. So you pretty much, you pretty much have no choice but to lose. I'm not trying to say players intentionally tank. It's, it's just the management tanks. Um, it's not the player's fault, but you know, he's not going to have that star playmaker, that star defensive man that's going to make up for maybe a mistake he makes or give him that pass. Like it's just him. That's why, you know, it's cool. They got Taylor Hall and we'll see what else they can utilize, you know, to, um, to help him out. But that's the other thing people have to remember too. Like if you're getting drafted to a complete rebuild team, you you know, unless again, generational like Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews, which maybe Connor Bedard will be, and that's what he's being marketed as, you can't put all that pressure because it's just not fair because it's a team sport. You yeah. Know? It's also a young kid. It's like it's it's a shame that they get so much pressure put on them from like you said, like as soon as he gets drafted. Yeah. And, you know, it's a shame because if he doesn't win the call there, they're like you said, they're gonna be people, oh, you know where's the hype right mm-hmm. it's like okay he could have a great season not win it maybe someone else has a better season you know whatever the case may be um but i just really think people need to maybe be a little more patient and can just consider that these are oh, kids yeah. i mean it's i you know i know again it's a it's a national sports league there's a lot of money involved a lot of people a lot of fans uh you know everybody that is involved cares very deeply about you know the sport and and their team and they want them to succeed and all that um but when you when you have a kid coming in at that point you know there's like so many things to consider outside of just playing hockey. Like they just have to grow up, like just give them time, you know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. I, you know, again, I just with all that taking, even taking all that into consideration, I really do think that Bedard's going to have a, a phenomenal career. Um, it's just about whether or not, you know, he'll start off and kind of live up to that hype right away. Or if it takes him a little bit to build up, we'll see. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he lives up to it right away. I mean, I think that's oh. kind of the expectation, but. Yeah, neither would I. I just think it's silly when I, uh, like, I was watching TSN Network, and, and I don't know, it's just, it's, I forgot who it was, but one of the guys just came up with, like, their own, their own, like, prediction. They're like, oh, what's your prediction for Bedard? He's like, oh, uh, I think he's going to be, his first season, 30 goal scorers, 70 points. I'm like, where does that come from? Like, he's never played against an NHL goaltender. He's never played with another NHL player in an NHL game. You know, like how it's it's just unfair to be like, yeah, he's gonna score thirty yeah. goals. You know, how hard it is to score thirty goals. It is kind of crazy when, it, when we're hearing those predictions. But I think it's even crazier when you take that and then you like look at players that have done that in the past, and then you say like, okay, it's possible. Oh yeah, and like yeah, it's possible, but it's like, will it happen? Like, right. it's he's a kid. Like, you it, see what it's happens, not fair. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So. To him. Really excited to see when he gets in the league. I think the Blackhawks made a really good decision getting Hall. Um, they're should really play them together. I think that's probably a really good opportunity for him to learn from mm-hmm. a veteran journeyman, a guy that's been around the league, has had success, you know, multiple different teams. Um, you know, not the best guy that's out there on the ice, but he's a really, really valuable, um, you know, veteran guy that can get in there, hopefully kind of uh, be a good piece there, help a dart out, help him, help him get acclimated to the NHL. But 
I'm excited to see him get into the league, you know? No, yeah, me too. And it would be absolutely shocking if the Blackhawks um, did not pick him first. That would be absolutely insane. The riots. The riots, riots right? Twitter would go crazy on that one. but It would. Um, um, yeah, yeah, no, I think uh, we'll definitely have another episode after the draft, of course. But I think uh, we could segue to free agency. Um, the thing I find really interesting is the uh, Calgary, Fr- uh, Calgary, excuse me, Calgary Flames. Oh my gosh are up in flames because I like that one. <laughs> it's good, right? Mass exodus of their top talent, which, you know, they had, uh, I forgot who was their coach. He, he's got that weird. Uh, Daryl Sutter. Yeah. Oh yeah. They got him out of there. What last end of last season. Yeah. So there was that report that the players were like, you need to get rid of this guy or we're not going to play for you. So management gets rid of him. And now still half the yeah. team wants to leave. Um, I know, uh, Noah, Heffernan has informed that he's not interested. Um, Elias Lindholm is not interested. Mikhail Backlund is also possibly not interested. And Tyler Toffoli is like, I'm out of here. So that is insane yeah. you know, star power that is just wanting to pack their bags and leaving. Um, it's kind of almost, it's not, obviously it's not rebuild, but it's obvious it's forcing them to retool. You know, yeah. they'll have more cap space, sure. But. It'll be interesting to see what they do with that this year because all those guys are coming up. Um, it's actually coming, they're coming up next year. So it's like yeah. whether or not they kind of want to get rid of, like, see what they can get back from now. If they, you know, trade them somewhere else, uh, maybe do like a what a trade and resign kind of situation that we've seen happen before. Um, that'll be really interesting to see because, like you said, it's like what what direction do they go in now? If, if they have all these guys that are saying that they're not really committed to this team long-term um, and, you know, you saw what happened um, with, you know, they made that big move. I uh, got Johnny Gaudreau going to the, the Blue Jackets. Uh, Chuck went to the Panthers. So when you lose two guys like that, that caliber, and then you have, you know, your top guys left that are saying, what do we, what do we you know, we want out now. You could really make the case that if, if these guys aren't going to say specifically Elias Lindholm, I think um, is a really, really top guy. And if, if they lose him, I really think that they are going to want to try and take a step back and maybe look at trying to rebuild yep. and, and look at a different kind of situation there, um, which is crazy considering that last year in the playoffs, they had a really, really good run. And then, yeah. you know, they lose, they lose Gaudreau, they lose to Chuck. And uh, not that Huberto's bad, not that Lindholm's bad, you know, like great roster, but they didn't have that success this season. And now you already have guys before this season has even started saying that they don't even want to be there beyond mm-hmm. that. So, That'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Um, but yeah, I know you were looking into this this class as well. Um, got some big names. I really hope that Patrick Kane stays patient. <laughs> I really hope that he takes a hometown deal and would like to stay with I, us. But... I feel like he kind of. I mean, unless another team jumps on him. I mean, I know. I mean, I know Rangers have that they'll be able to talk to him first before. Was it Saturday? Yeah, I think it's coming up soon, yeah. Um, you know, with his surgery, with his poor performance due to well, his injury and potentially his age, but also his, you know, you know, he liked the organization and he wants to keep playing. Um, you know, I think, I think, and also because he's going to miss probably the first month, maybe second month of the season. Yeah. You know. And then even that, after he comes back from a major hip surgery, like, yeah, it's like there's all these reports, you know, he wants to play. For a long time, he wants to be, you know, he's committed to trying to play more years in the league, which is great to hear, but that's kind of like, okay, well, are, are we, like, going to wait for him to get there? What, you know, yeah. is, is a team willing to take that stab and say, like, okay, we'll sign you, you know, we want you on our roster, but, you know, 
we had, you know, if you're signing him, you have to understand that there's going to be like that process there, right? Yeah. So I really think the New York kind of makes sense for him. Especially it's, since he like kicked his way out of Chicago to come to New York oh, yeah. for a reason. Yeah. And even though people say what you will, he statistically performed better than most of the Rangers team in the playoffs. So it's like, you know, I think, I think he is willing to, I mean, he's, he's rich. He's made his money, three cups, you know, trophies. It's not like he, you know, he wants to win another cup, of course. He wants to win. He wants to be in a competitive oh, yeah. team. So I don't think the money is like, obviously he wants to get paid, but I don't think he'll be, I think he'll be understanding of the current situation he's in. He's not going to get more than 10 million. No way. Um, like his last contract. I, I think he might stay. I hope so. Cause they need, the Rangers need a right wing, right winger. Um, Tarasenko, definitely not. I think it's better to just let Tarasenko go to a team that can give him like a four year extension maybe. And then give Kako that right wing mind minutes. Yeah. Um, I know, unfortunately, Tyler Mott may or may not come back just because the, see the biggest issue, if it wasn't for Keandre Miller and Lafreniere's um, contracts running up, it, it would be a different story. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. But because there's all the talk about Lafreniere, which we can get into in another episode. Because I want to wait to see um, what happens with him before we yeah, talk we'll about him. Yeah, we'll have to him. see what, if, if we were to sign him, which really should. Probably um, will. You know, what, what, we're, what kind of contract we're looking at. Um, but yeah, that'll, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. It is. I hear you on that one. It is. Um, you know, I, I know the Jets are having some issues. The Winnipeg Jets, uh, I know Hellebuck wants out, which is insane. Yeah, generational goaltender, and you know, uh, it's also a blow. But who knows? Is uh, what's his name? Pierre Luc uh, Dubois. Oh, Dubois. Yeah. Um, well, he's he, asking for a lot of money. He's too. being absolutely unreal. Unre- he, he wants nine million or something. He's not even a point per game player. How can you ask for nine million? If you're a mm-hmm. point per game player in the NHL, then the doors will open. Then teams will be like, all right, you know what? Yeah, yeah, because we know you're going to produce every single time you're on the ice. Mm-hmm. If you're not a point per game player, it's you know, but you're close to it. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll throw some money away. But why should we give you nine million? Are you kidding? He's also like his. I think the off the ice stuff too, because he basically is a little bit of kind of not basket case, but you know, he hasn't had the best track record in terms of uh, relationship with coaches and, mm-hmm. and everything like that. Um, you know, this is what already his third team, I believe, and he hasn't even been in the league that long. Yeah, I think it was on the Blue Jackets um, before. So he's looking at going. I guess it's the second. So this will be his third team. He's um, going to. Yeah. But yeah. So it's like one of those situations where. He's only twenty. Should not be demanding that kind of money. No. Um, you know, like a six, seven, sure, maybe even if a team wants to pay him like seven to eight, maybe. okay, yeah. But to be asking for nine plus at that point, I don't know. I, you know, we'll see. Maybe a team is willing to give it to him for the fact that he has shown before that he can put up numbers. Um, you know, he has a lot of potential. He's still a young guy. Um, so I guess it'll be interesting to see yeah. how that one shakes out, especially for Winnipeg. And you know, I I get that you wanna you don't wanna lowball yourself, but also I feel like if you're if your stats aren't at the level of, like, you know, Connor McDavid could walk into any team and they'll sell half their roster and have him on it. You know, unless you're yeah. uh, unless you're on that level, I feel like if you shoot too high, then you're going to kind of shoot yourself in the foot because it's just going to make you look cocky. You're going to say, like, well, well you know, yeah, who do you think you are? I mean, unless maybe behind closed doors, he's like, yeah, I'm looking for nine, but obviously I'll talk lower. I'm just throwing that out to see if anybody bites. And if not, then I'll, you know, lower it, which... That would be insane if anybody bought <laughs> for nine million on someone like him. 
I, we, I mean, we'll see some of these, some of these GMs, they're also thinking that, you know, the cap's going to be going up and up. And that's kind of the idea yeah, is like that, you know, yeah. in the long term, if you take a guy on like a seven or eight year deal or something that the cap's going to go up, it's going to look better years from now, but you never really know, you know? So I don't know. I'm always, I, I'm more of on the conservative side when it comes to that in terms of like, I wouldn't want to give him that money right now. Oh yeah. I wouldn't want to give him that long-term contract right now, but we'll see. There might be some teams willing, willing to put out that money. Um, then I guess just going to a couple other names that I had seen earlier today. Um, Bertuzzi from the Boston Bruins. Um, I feel like the Penguins are a really good fit for him. I don't know that I see Boston re-signing him. Um, the Penguins have a lot of space. They're still looking to be competitive while they have uh, Crosby and Malkin. Um, you know, they have that core that's been there for a really long time, like Sullivan staying. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him go to a team like the Penguins that's kind of looking for that depth just to fill out their roster, kind of keep them at that point where they're competing. Um, I don't know if you had seen too much else or if you're really familiar with that situation as well, but uh, not, not that much, but no, I'm glad you touched on that. That's interesting. I mean, you know, we'll see more of the next episode. We could talk about more too, because it'll be after the draft teams will have made their picks. Oh yeah. Um, well, I'm agency. sure we'll see a bunch of trades at the draft as well. We've already seen a couple. Yeah, um, right before. You know, and we saw um, some moves too. I mean, Oliver Ekman Larson already got bought out as well. So, yep. um, you know, we'll see. There's a lot that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it'll be interesting. I, we could probably, we will definitely be able to talk more about it after uh, this week's episode because, you know, like I said, the draft will happen. Free agency will be this Saturday. So, you know, teams will either make their moves or throw people out into the, into oh, yeah. the open market. So we'll see. Um, and I think we segue into uh, the New York Rangers hiring uh, Peter Laviolette, as well as associate head coach Phil Housley and assistant coaches Michael Peck and Demuse. Um, Laviolette has a record of 717 wins and 466 losses, a Stanley Cup win, uh, three total finals appearances. Um, he's coached for the Carolina Hurricanes, New York Islanders, Nashville Predators, and most recently the Washington Capitals. Um, he's been coaching since 2001. He's the winningest American-born um, head coach, and he's also uh, his only 12 games in the NHL were for the Rangers, which is pretty funny. Yeah, I like that uh, little joke he made at the presser too. Yeah, he's like, "Oh, I couldn't find my jersey," and uh, Drury brought him up a 39 jersey, which was fun. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, no, I actually, I, I really liked his presser. Um, before I had to say, before I had really looked into it, I kind of felt like it was a lateral move. We were going from Gerard Gallant. To another veteran established head coach that has, you know, shown seen success in the league. But recently with the Caps, there really wasn't too much success. Um, you could, you know, a lot of other things were going on in that situation. Obviously, it's not just the head coach. But um, looking at that, I wasn't necessarily super excited. Um, I do have to say, though, after his presser, after kind of looking into it a little bit more, um, I'm a lot happier with the decision. Um, you know, his resume speaks for itself. Um, I also really liked what he said about, you know, he literally is quote-unquote, let's go to work. Um, he, was, you know, he said a lot about emphasizing work ethic and how you have to teach that and you have to do that in practice. And it, that starts in the preseason. Every, everything you're doing is you know, you're working hard. It's, it's building that kind of that work ethic, ingraining that in these players, that kind of play style, that, that hard work ethic, right? So that when we get to the playoffs where it really matters, you've been playing like that all season. You know, I, I think yeah. that he really wants to emphasize playing that kind of um, you know, hard hardworking kind of hockey that pays off in the postseason. And, you know, I, I really hope that we see that kind of throughout the whole season. Um, and then, you know, obviously that will help us in the playoffs as well. So 
I don't know what you thought about that, but yeah, no, I, I was definitely a little skeptical at first as well, and you know, then I did more research and I, I realized, wow, like you know, he's he's definitely got the the tenure. Um, I did like his go to work mentality. I like that he's making uh, he's establishing uh, lines of connection with the players. I also liked without even you know being asked, he he just mentioned the fact about winning a Stanley Cup in his three year contract, um, which. Isn't like you know anything like oh haha okay yeah you know because this Rangers roster that Drury has put together is it's it's ready yeah for this a Stanley is that Cup three years I mean that's kind of the window where we're looking at this, this roster is the, where yeah we should be really successful so it should be so you know I, I did like that um and I also liked you know when asked about the kids I don't know if it was the safe answer maybe he just said it but you know he said uh, you know they need to be given that chance but also not given the chance in terms of like just oh okay here's ice time you know but also like i I need to trust you like they need to be trusted not scratch them for one game because what is that going to do you know so i I think that that was important again we'll talk about lafreniere another episode i'm 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 up at night thinking about that sometimes i have to admit it's um it's a puzzling situation it it is (laughs) and it's very frustrating because like you know you see these teams because winning the draft lottery unless you're the edmonton oilers um is very hard and you know, you finally win it, and you get the Crosby, the Ovechkin, the Stamkos, the Connor McDavid, the Austin Matthews, the potentially Jack Hughes now, and then the Rangers after like some 40 years finally win it, and this is what we have so far. And yeah, there's, you know, other circumstances with it that we can get into another episode. Of course, I want to see what happens, by which we'll probably be able to talk about next episode because after free agency, but, um, you know, I think it's important that he said that, you know, you need to trust them. You can't just bury them in the bottom six. But also, you can't just throw, you know, uh, the minutes at them if somebody else is performing at a higher level because we're here to win, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, I am I am optimistic. And I, I know I've seen a lot of good things about the associate staff. I don't know if you know too much oh, yeah. about them. No, I I, had, I was actually really impressed with some of his hires. I mean, he's worked with um, some of these guys before. So it's uh, a lot of times when, you know, you bring in a new coach, they tend to bring in kind of their own staff. Um, but he has an impressive staff that he's brought in, um, that the organization's brought in. Um, and, you know, just kind of touching on what, what you had said earlier about talking about the young guys. Um, he had some really good kind of quotes about that. Um, and, you know, like you had said, he might have just been saying it just to say it. But I, I'm tended to believe him. Um, you know, he was kind of talked about not only giving them the opportunity, but making them responsible. And something that's a huge difference between Laviolette and Gerard Gallant um, is that he's holding players a lot more accountable. Um, so... I think that that's something that our, you know, our team right now, the Rangers really, really need. Um, I think that to go from Gerard Glant, who has much more of a relaxed kind of laid back, uh, you know, let the players do what they're going to do. And I'm kind of doing this minimal, um, not minimal, obviously it's a, it's a very big job. I don't want to you know, belittle his position or anything like that. Hmm. Um, but it is, it's just a different coaching style. It's a totally different coaching style. Um, and I'm, I think that at this point, the Rangers need a guy like Laviolette to get in there to be a little bit more aggressive, to bark at these guys, and to get the most out of these guys. Because I think, specifically with our young players, we have a lot of potential on this team. You know, he had talked about a lot about how you have, um, you know, you have your veterans, right? You have your skilled players, but you need that mix with your young guys as well. And he had success at, you know, multiple teams kind of with that model. Um, he had mentioned specifically when he, when he was with the Canes, I think he had Justin Williams was a young up and coming mm-hmm. player. Um, when he was with the Predators, he had guys like Philip Forsberg that were like, you know, younger, kind of um, not really that top, you know, star player yet. And you get them in the lineup with those star guys, with that veteran talent, with that, that kind of the culture that you build in that locker room, in that front office, everything like that. 
And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I was really impressed with his presser. Um, maybe I'm being a little optimistic, but I think he's what we need right now. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about it. We'll, uh, no, you yeah. know, we'll see how it shakes out, but it's, Me too. it's looking good right now. And I like what I've heard from a lot of the players. I mean, Panarin shaved his head, so he means business, <laughs> which is hilarious. Get rid of his demons, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's not he's not shaving his, his flow unless he, he he's, like, dead serious. You know, Igor said, you know, you're going to see a new Igor next year in his broken English. <laughs> Um, you know, and Zabenejad and Kreider had statistically their some of their best seasons. Um, same thing with Panarin. Besides, you know, the playoff performance. Um, you know, everybody's getting better, and I think they just they need that coach now that that is not only their supporter and their friend, but also like you know their their boss. You know, yeah. Like we saw in the playoffs when they were getting outskated and they were running out of gas. They needed that person to shove them and say, let's yeah. go, come they on. They need someone that's on the bench barking at them. They you need know? somebody that's kind of pushing them in the right direction. Um, they yeah. need somebody that's a little more aggressive than not, not that the, other style. Exactly, know? yeah. Not the coach that's going to say, okay, let me shift the three lines. And yeah, that's got, that, that'll do it. No, that's, yeah, they're all stars. They're all playing together. They're professional hockey players. Magically changing the, this guy from the first line to the second line, you know, isn't always just going to like, ignite some spark like oh wow actually i love playing with you three times more than i've just played the last 20 games with this guy no that i you know i, I think part of the reason why gerard gallant did that was just because he was under the microscope in his second year and uh you know in, instead of making strategic in-game adjustments with game plans and like styles he just decided to to nuke the uh the lines which is very irritating but i mean we saw him get out coached by lindy ruff who's an amazing coach oh yeah lindy right. ruff. and again the devil right, you know, yeah. all credit to the devils because they're a really good team, and they yeah. have they have you know some serious potential to be kind of a dynasty team here in the NHL. Um, just with the roster they have, with the pieces, the way they've kind of been developing, um, the young talent, veteran guys, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I'm excited. I I really think that we needed a guy like Laviolette on the bench during that Devil series, so we get a whole season with him. Hopefully, get some playoffs with him, and you know we'll see where it goes. Uh, may not be the first year. Um, you know, hopefully. We obviously want to see some success this season, and you know we'll talk, oh, yeah. we'll talk a ton about the Rangers moving forward. Um, but yeah, I I, would, I saw some really good stuff in that presser, so I was I was really excited, um, kind of a little gassed up about him. So we'll see we'll see where it goes, but a lot of excitement there. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And um, you know, I think uh, wrap up the episode. We could talk about the um, Hall of Fame inductees, of course, yeah. Henrik yeah. Uh, the King himself, Henrik Lundqvist, uh, idol of both of ours. I know someone I enjoyed watching play hockey. Um, Ever since I was younger, I got his jersey. Um, unfortunately, every time I wore his jersey recently, when the Rangers were in like a, a win or lose situation, they lost. So I don't know what that's trying to tell me. <laughs> a little superstitious uh, you know, over there. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe. I, I really don't believe in, in that stuff. But like, I can't deny um, patterns. <laughs> I feel that. Hey, I uh, every time I pull out the Lafreniere jersey this season, he scored. So you know, maybe I'll be wearing I'll that maybe one sure more often that this coming season. Yeah, every day. But um, yeah, I think Hank is the headliner in that class. Uh, Fifteen seasons, eight hundred eighty-seven games, nine one eight save percentage. One of Vesna, and this stat, I, you know, this kind of really for me was like, okay, yeah, this, this, yeah, this is Hank, right? He was in the top 10 voting for the Vesna in 10 of the 15 seasons he was in the league. Yeah, that's insane. Crazy. And actually, there was an argument for him that he should have won the Calder his first year. Hmm. Um, so just some incredible stats from Hank. I think the one thing missing from his, his resume, of course, is a cup. Um, yeah. We were both sad about that one. Definitely had a lot of opportunities, and he, 
gave it every single, you know, everything he had, 110% every single time he touched the ice. So got to give all credit to Hank. Love him. Um, like you said, he's an idol of both of ours. So, yeah, I definitely think he headlines that. Uh, and then there are actually a couple other goaltenders that are on there. Um, Tom Barrasso, who was a two-time cup winner. Uh, he also won a Vesna. He actually won a Calder himself. Um, he also won a Jennings Trophy with the Sabres in 85. Mm. Um, then you get to Mike Vernon, another goaltender as well, another two-time cup winner, also won a Jennings. And he actually was vital for the Flames uh, in helping them get their first cup in uh, 96 to 97. He actually won the Conn Smythe for them. So a uh, few goaltenders kind of headlining that class. Uh, rounding out the class, we have uh, one of two female spots was taken by uh, Caroline Willette. Uh, did some really, really great stuff for Can- uh, Canada hockey for a long time. Uh, she won four, well, you know, while well, she was part of the team there, they won four gold medals, uh, six gold medals at world championships, and six silver medals at world championships. So showed a lot of success. Um, she also had a really good career playing, um, you know, in some women's hockey leagues as well. Uh, then you go back to the NHL. We had Pierre Turgeon. Um, a kind of a gentlemanly player. I liked, I like I saw a description of that. I really like that. Um, he only had 452 penalty minutes in 1,294 games. Wow. Uh, won the Lady Bing in 92-93. Uh, had 1,327 points in those 1,294 games. Um, so, you know, all credit to him. He did, that's, you know, really deserving of being there. Uh, and then we had a couple of executives. We had uh, Coach Ken Hitchcock who um, had 23 years coaching, won a cup, won a Jack Adams. Um, he had a lot of success as a coach in the NHL. I think it's very well-deserved. Uh, and then lastly, we had Pierre, I'm going to butcher his last name, LaCroix, LaCroix, LaCroix. I wish I knew how to say that. <laughs> uh, he was a front office guy. He was like a president GM type. Um, he did a lot of work with the Nordiques and then moved with them when they went to Colorado. He was actually a vital, um, you know, building their roster and getting them to to win a cup there in 96 and in 2001 so um really really good class i think a lot of deserving a lot of really deserving uh names up there but of course one that we're most excited about is hank very well deserved um but you know congratulations to all seven of the uh you know the people that are getting inducted into the nhl hall of fame this uh you know this this go around but uh yeah i think that's all i've got for this episode you got any anything going on over there uh no no i think that's about it um Congratulations to everybody who uh, is getting inducted into the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame. And we'll, we'll cover more after, of course, uh, more official announcements come out for that. I know the awards are tonight, so that'll be interesting to see. We, we'll talk about that next week. we got a lot to talk about next week, <laughs> which is yeah, good. Yeah, it's all you know, off-season. It's good we have stuff to talk about. You know, yeah, so, yeah. You know, keep wait us till, busy. Wait till the actual season starts. Yeah, oh oof, my gosh. Um, yeah, no, I think, I think that's about it. Um, I think uh, we can wrap it up there. I hope everybody um, enjoyed this episode again. Uh, don't forget to check us out on Twitter at Icetime9899. And if you want to get in touch with us, our email at Icetime9899 at gmail.com. We could definitely do a mailbag episode here and there if we get enough. Um, it's been a lot of fun again. Thanks for listening and definitely come back every week. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys. Thanks for listening and we appreciate all the love and support. So keep it up. We're excited. <laughs>